I'm Maureen, and I have a guest with me today on our podcast um, that you are listening to Glitter and Grief, and this is another episode that we are calling Expectations. I've been out of town for the last couple of weeks and Gretchen's out of town this week and so I have invited uh, a special guest today and this is Andrew Gieselman and um, just to give everybody a background a little bit of how I met Andrew um, Andrew is actually a uh, coach a business coach and I met Andrew just a month before uh, our first tragedy in our family, uh, which was when our granddaughter died. And then just three months later, Andy died. But Andrew, I met him. It's funny how along this journey, God has put certain people in my life. And um, Andrew has had his share of uh, tragedy in their family and um, I thought it would be interesting we have a lot of interesting conversations anyway so yeah we do don't we welcome Andrew yes thank you for having me appreciate it so it's been you know strange because it's been two years now Mm -hmm. since we met it's actually right at two years it was in October Um, and we I signed up actually a week or two weeks before um, Charlie, who was Andy's seven-month-old daughter, died. And so it really was a godsend for me because you were able to help my sales team um, continue forward and really give them training that uh, I was I wanted to, you know, be able to provide them with just resources that they needed and so it was really a good time for me good yeah and and i i think it was um it was interesting it was actually um it was interesting to see as that uh, all happened in the timeline of that coming to fruition how much um it was it was pretty it was pretty apparent how close you were in the company and the people were with you in the company because of the support that I think came out of it, at least from my perspective. Their they willingness were, to step up, their oh willingness to, I mean, it was, it was, it was selfless. You know, it really was. I mean, they really were was. truly, truly amazing. And for those of you who don't know, I own a sign company, um, architectural sign company in the Memphis area. And uh, we, we do a lot of commercial projects, hospitals, schools, and you know a lot of them are deadline driven and in construction, and so you know it can be high stress and it doesn't stop. It doesn't, and it, it doesn't stop. stop. It can't stop. It can't stop. And it was truly amazing the way that everybody just stepped up and just took care of. I mean, and they had to do it not only once, but they had to turn around and do it 
twice, you know, in such a short time, which it's devastating, I think, for them, too, because we see each other all the time. We're like a family. Yeah. So, Andrew, um, what were, you know, we've had a lot of talks about tragedy, and, um, you know, tell a little bit about your family story. Yeah, so um, our, uh, or the family um, story, most recent, and probably several to pull from, but uh, most recently, uh, I have a brother, and he has um, a daughter uh, who's now 12 years old, and um, she, they had uh, two daughters that, um, Mila and Elle, that were diagnosed young with Batten disease. And uh, Batten disease is a degenerative uh, brain disease that uh, is incurable and fatal. And so um, years ago, when they were uh, originally diagnosed with, actually Mila was diagnosed first because she was having a lot of seizures and they weren't sure um, what but was causing that. they didn't know that. that she was born with it, did No, they? no, not at all. So, so what the, the reason that came to fruition was that they, she was having seizures like 400 a day. It was just constant. And uh, was spending a lot of time at Le Bonheur and had a lot of specialists involved with trying to figure that out. And then they decided to do, they were going to go see a specialist. And before they could go see the specialist, they needed to do genetic testing. When they did that, it came back that uh, potentially she needed to be tested for, um, for uh, Batten disease, that she could be a candidate for that. So they tested Mila, and she tested positive for that, um, and she was four years old, I think, when that happened. And then, because of that, um, my brother and his wife needed to test their other two children, and their youngest um, tested positive as well. Their oldest did not. And so over the course of the next um, five years, um, they uh, basically went through the, the process of the disease and how it runs its course. And um, Mila and Elle passed away. Mila passed away when she was six years old and Elle when she was seven. And I think that uh, one of the things for me was knowing their story was that lightning can strike twice. And, um, you know, I think that after the first one, you think maybe you're immune. And uh, what I have learned on this journey is that, that it, you know, it can happen, things, bad things can happen to families multiple times. I mean, there's multiple families that have, you know, tragedies that involve more than one family member or cancer that strikes twice, or different illnesses, and I think that has been, um, you know, just surprising. Mm -hmm. I think we, I guess, you just don't know what you don't know when you're on this journey. Yeah, I, I it's, I, I mean, the, maybe, maybe the way to say it is that it, it really is for every individual, whatever that means, it, it's life on life's terms, and you, you can't control 
what life's going to throw at you or you can't control where lightning's going to strike and you can't control how many times it's going to strike and um, I don't I don't think anyone will ever have clarity or answers as to the whys behind all of that it just is what it is um, but that doesn't make the process of moving through it any easier either yeah well, I'll go ahead no, I was just going to say, and I think that some of the conversations that we have had through this journey for me is just earlier this week we were talking about expectations and going through this grief. And Andrew has watched his brother go through this and his parents go through this, his other siblings go through this with their family. And that's interesting to me because I think about my own family and siblings and friends and um, just it's just a different being where I sat being the person the immediate person whose family it happened to and knowing that it also affected my family uh, is just you know us talking about those different perspectives and how expectations what people can do and can't do or what they won't do or what you might expect them to do and what they don't follow through with and uh, I, I think you know I, I can't I, I can't put myself into even as close as being a brother right I, I can't put myself into my brother's feet in the issues I, I don't I don't know what that's like I don't know what what he experienced is like and what he experiences today is like um, but I do often wonder about expectation like I um, I, I can say and I, I don't have a problem saying this but I would say that I I didn't know how to be there okay my my brother and his wife had support from and, and I, I will say that the the outreach from their friends, their family, their church, all these things, was un it was unbelievable to me how people jumped in and really, really gave. Just, you know, they, they got to the point where they were having to travel from here to Ohio every other week, you know, with, with L as L was going through some FDA trials and things like that for, for med medicine and people would line up and offer their jets and offer their planes and I mean just everything you could think of was like covered and my mom and, and my dad would go and they would spend time and and be there constantly all the time and you know my sister would come in from wherever she was or, or wherever they were and they would be here and spend time and, and here I am I live here in the city um, and I, I didn't I didn't feel like I knew how to be there for him. Well, I thought it was interesting. It's frustrating. I thought it was interesting the other day in our conversation where um, we had this moment that we talked about this, and your brother said to you, I need you just to be. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, Andrew, from my uh, experience with you you're a doer you're a fixer you coach people you tell people how to solve their problems and what it made me think of is that 
we don't know what to do for ourselves when we're in the situation. So <clears throat> there is nothing you can do to fix it, but there is something about being there. And there's something there, and I can't explain it. I, I don't know how to explain the difference between people just being there and people trying to over trying over trying and over it's trying. and it's hard well that that goes back to this thought we had about in our conversation about the people that you don't want around tend to come out all of a sudden out of nowhere to, to be like this this all of a sudden support arm um, and, and it's not even people that you'd want to be your support arm. Yet, the people that you hypothetically, or, or, or in real life, the people that you depend on the most, that should be there, at least according to the expectation we might have, I know I've experienced this before, aren't. And what do you do with that? Now, if I have it, like I had, I had a friend when my, and I told you this the other day, you know, when my boys were in the NICU, we didn't know which way that was going to go. They were 26 weeks, and we're blessed to have them today, 10 years later. But when I went through that, a very good friend of mine, a very best friend of mine, my expectation was of all the people in my life, that's the one person I really wanted there. Like, that's the one person I needed to respond to me, to just cradle me. Right, because this person knew me so well. And after trying to reach out, and even after leaving a few voicemails, I realized that the only thing coming out of that was a broken expectation of my own, which was my own problem. I shouldn't have the expectation of how someone should act. And I, you know, for whatever reason, he didn't react, and we, you know, that was kind of the end of our relationship. It was the end of our friendship. But I, um, I think having that expectation was... Um, it, I hate to, it, 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 I hate to even say it this way, but it's like it's on me. Um, I have to take ownership for that because I didn't set any expectations. I didn't. I don't. I don't know. I, I would have just thought, but I believe that people that aren't there, or or maybe they stray away from it, or they don't just they don't just show up and pour in, is because maybe they don't know how to. But then we blame them because they weren't, because they should have been, because of whatever expectation I would have. I never thought, until years later, I never thought that maybe the reason I never heard from that person or the reason that that person never showed up or the reason that person never engaged was because they wouldn't be able to. I think part of it, I think part of it, too, is that people don't want to, you know, if there's a lot of people around, they don't want to, I think sometimes the people that are closest to you don't, they want to step back a little bit and let the other people who are maybe out of town or maybe who are family step in. And it's such a strange thing because you are, you know, you're in this place, especially in the early days where you are, I mean, you are at your weakest, your most vulnerable. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's a little scary having people that you don't see very often there. Well, do you want them? Well, I think I prayed a lot those early days, and actually both times, that uh, 
I would know that anybody who came came out of caring and out of love and that because your emotions are so raw and you're trying to make sense of your life being turned upside down so I, I think I think part of it too is for the so I, I can go back and say that with my brother um, we we I, I would have said we didn't have like this great bonding relationship. He, he is much closer with my older brother, with our older brother. And I, th I think it was almost selfish on my part that I was probably more concerned about what he would think of me showing up than I was just willing to be there for him. But it did, he, he came up one day and we had that conversation. And, and I hate that we, I love that we had the conversation. I love that he approached me with it and he said, man, I know you're struggling with this, but man, just, just be, just be there. Just be, there. that's all I care about is that you are there to love us. And just and, even, uh, and, and there is something about just even sitting in the room. Right, and so, but and, and that was, was it a that was that was so much longer into the like I, I I wish I had known that earlier and shame on me for not just being there I, I did I wouldn't have known that had he not set the expectation of I don't have an expectation but there's there's something to say too about giving people space mm -hmm. and you know I do feel like you know my siblings I have two brothers and a sister and, um, you know, one of my brothers has called me frequently, and one has not, you know, mm -hmm. I haven't talked too much at all. And, you know, when my sister has called, sometimes I haven't answered. And it's perplexing even to me, even to me sitting here of why it's easier or harder um, to talk to you mean you know, even with the siblings? Even with my siblings. Huh. Even with my siblings and with my close friends. I told you, I had a friend who I didn't <coughs> see, um, who, who did not come to um, Charlie's funeral, and I did not hear from her. And I saw her nearly every day. So I was surprised. I mean, it surprised Obviously, me. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, she she said she had had family in town, and and it was Thanksgiving week. I totally understood that, and yet there were so many people that made, you know, the time and the effort to to come. Maybe even some that you didn't expect it. A lot that I didn't okay. expect, and you know, I I said I it surprised me, and you know, I could have I could have been very angry. And, and there, it, it surprised me, and I was hurt. And she, she said, I'm so sorry. And she showed up the next day, and, or she called and she said, can I come over? And I said, yes. And she said, I don't know what to say except I'm sorry. And I chose to be okay, you know? Like, I didn't want to give up that friendship, and I didn't want to... Um, 
sever that. Would you, I'm just curious, mm -hmm. would you have rather, so you knew what your expectation was that she didn't meet. Would you rather her have said, this is how this is gonna go down? I think I would have wanted her just to acknowledge it so that I knew the not acknowledging it for me was worse than was worse because I didn't know where she was coming okay. from so that's I had a uh, probably my best friend um, or one of my very close friends made it very clear to me on the front end when I originally called him to tell him what was going on with my brother's uh, middle daughter and then as that um, as we came to find that about his his youngest daughter um, I engaged my friend and he told me from the very first phone call you can you can come see me you can call me but I will not I, I can't be there for that one I can't do that um, he lost a sister at a very young age and he he went through that and he, and he watched um, he watched a uh, cancer take her life and obviously a lot of guilt and, and things from that so to him he it's not he couldn't go he understood he was too close to it from his own experience but he set the expectation and when it came time and I called him and he knew and he said, nope. <laughs> I said, <"Nope." laughs> he said, you're such a jackass. He said, I already told you. I can't do it. I can't do it. See, I, he I, said, come and see me. I am here. I'll hug you. I'll love you. But I can't be there next to you. Well, I, I appreciate But I would that. rather have had that yeah. than to have the expectation of, how could you not show up? How could you not be... You knew this was me. You knew this was our thing. How could you not be a part of that? So at the end of the day, I was angry because he was acting that way. I was like, you're so selfish. Like, how could you act this way? But when it came to fruition, I was like, how powerful that was that I already knew that he'd set that expectation. And, and so there was no remorse from that. There was no bitterness from that. It was more of a... I understood it. I understood his position. See, to me, that is so honest and disarmingly. I think. Yes, yeah. and I think that that is. Um, I think that is in all of this what I appreciate from people is their honesty and their. You know, if you can't deal with it, tell someone you can't do. I'm sorry. And, you know, and I, I, you and I talked also. People are so afraid, though, to be, to think about it, to be that vulnerable. Oh, I, how I, do you I, think we feel? I, I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, like, really? But we're, you know, I've learned over time, and, and just in coaching, I've learned that you, you really can't, it's really difficult to connect with people at a, at a solid, trusted, real, disarmingly honest level if you're unwilling to be imperfect in front of them, if you're unwilling to have vulnerability, if you're if you're going to hide behind that, it, 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 it can be very difficult you know, to build some of that. It's interesting that, I, I mean, people gave me books from here to the ceiling oh. about grief and, um, 
just faith and everything. And I read one book early on, and I've read, I think I've read most all of them. <laughs> the and whole I, library. <laughs> yes, for sure, because I've gotten something out of all of them. Sure. But this one was interesting because it talked about our vulnerability and faith. And, it's, and I mean, it really talked about how God loves us. And don't we, when we really love someone... Isn't it when someone is showing us their weakness and trusting us with mm. that, that we really can say, you know, to me, I mean, even with my children, when they have struggled in certain things and they have trusted us to help them through whatever, I mean, that's when I love them more. I just, I mean, I don't know if it's possible to love your children more at times you know sometimes more than others but, but what is what's what is it why does it pull you in tighter because what I is think, that because i think it's their authenticity i think it's their is that what you who, want though? who they oh yes and when they bring it to you yes i think it melts like it's yes absolutely oh. but i feel like that's how god loves us well i think that's what god showed us yes with jesus i yes. think that's what he i mean is there any ultimate vulnerability than sacrificing your own son to the world I mean that's well and I think we all put up these I mean I think about the suffering Mm -hmm. of that and I think so you know look at what he suffered what Mary suffered what his friends suffered what you know watching Jesus and I think of the suffering that I have you know my family has been through and you know I it it brings me closer. It brings I think me so. closer. I think it does. I I I would um I would say that in, in my experience personally with grief, um and I, I wouldn't say that I'm proud of this necessarily, and I think that I'll experience it differently with with my father and parents as that happens and things like that comes to fruition. And I had, I really, I, um, I see a therapist every week and I have for seven, <laughs> probably seven years, every weekend for seven years. Oh man, I don't know how she puts up with me, but she does. But she pointed out to me, she did point out to me that, and I was asking her about this because I, I, I do feel as though a lot of the, a lot of the grief that I, have felt or or that I've processed for my brother's daughters has been more for my brother than it has been for anything else like what he how he lives through that but I can relate to that and that's we like I feel as though I should be grieving for the girls and whereas we of course we miss the girls and love the girls and 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 all of these things and we know that we'll see them again at the banquet table in heaven I it's my brother. It's like, and, and, but, but because, and I'll say this, and I, this is the part I'm not proud of. I'm not sure that I have really grieved fully for him at the level that I probably need to. But I think that's because I don't know that I'm ready to accept what that pain and what that feeling is actually going to be. And it maybe, maybe it's easier to avoid the reality of that love that is love to me to understand or to to have that that connection well i think that so, i can, the reason i say that i can weird. relate to that 
is because for me watching Andy mm-hmm. grieve his own daughter as a parent was so difficult and and I got to feel it both ways from both sides I got to feel it from both sides was watching my child suffer and then I had to suffer the loss of my own child and I think it was so hard for me watching Andy like because I too I felt like Charlie you know I I mean what I missed for her was that I missed that he wasn't going to get to watch his daughter do everything. Right. And that was what is so hard. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. But then, but now, it's weird. What's so weird about it is that I think they are both in a, they're both together. Yeah. And neither of them are suffering or are having to deal with the craziness of this world. And we're left to deal with that. And it's crazy. We're left with the pieces. We're left with the pieces. To put it all back together. And I don't know that you can do that. Not without support. Hard to do it alone. We, uh, I, we, our family believes the same that the, you know, their, uh, uh, my grandparents, Mimi and Papa, and uh, we just know that they're up in in heaven, just uh, having a normal life and experiencing wonderful times with them, and uh, there was a, 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 a book that was written really about. Um, the, a the trip, book. yeah, about the trip, uh, the Star Kingdom, about the trip to to heaven, uh, and the way that a child would experience that, and it talks about how the time, and I mean b- biblically it would too, but it talks about the time uh, from the time that you would you would you would be in heaven to the time that you'd see your loved ones again would be no time, It'd be, there'd be no time at all. It's hard for us to fathom that because of the because you miss them, and there's so much time in between, and you you desperately, you know, you desperately want that um, feeling of security that that's exactly what is happening. Well, you know, as I was driving actually today, I was thinking about that exact thing, and I was thinking, you know, I do want when I get there for God to say, "Well done." Yeah. Pat on the back. Yeah, you need it. Pat on the back, and especially from him. Well, and I just you know that you because it's a burden to carry. It really is, and uh, you know I think that somehow he trusted your brother, his family, your family to carry this burden, and we wish we didn't draw the card, but we did. And, you know, I, I just, I guess I just don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be, uh, I yeah. don't want to throw the life I have away because the life I wanted is different. 
Temporarily. Temporarily, right. But you believe that. What do you mean? Do you believe it's temporary? A permanent fix, obviously, the loss of any anyone is, is a permanent fixation, right? So, right. but it doesn't mean that other things along the road of life will change and shift and grow and and become as long as you allow yourself to see opportunity and possibility yes. you see yes. what I'm saying yes for sure right and I think this is just part of our journey and uh, somehow I do think that we help each other through it I do think that you know there is something to say for people who've walked through a very difficult uh, grief or tragedy or just tough road I mean there's so many tough roads out there mm -hmm. there really are and I think somehow there is a truly a kindred spirit through that journey and I saw something the other day that said uh, I heard someone say empathy goes both ways mm. and I thought oh that's so interesting because I do think that I can absolutely feel empathy for so many other stories, so many, and I do think that that this has opened me up to that. To the ability to see that, uh, to relate. I hope so. Well, it makes you certainly a go-to for those who, you know, that was it, it was interesting. I will say that. Um, when when we were when Liam and Horner were born and they were so little and so tiny and so underdeveloped and we didn't know what was going to happen with them the experience that we went through that no one could prepare for um, gave us this forward knowledge of if people wanted that story if people wanted to know what to expect coming into it if people wanted to relate to some type of communication that would maybe give them a perspective as to how to prepare for something like that then we we were able to come back and offer that and I think that's powerful I think it's powerful because um, like you and like my brother and and I'm not a participant in that, um, but I know so many people who are. I've coached people who have experienced the loss of a child that it's um, you have an ability to to communicate with people on a completely different level than anybody else can that go through that or that have been through that or that can relate to that. So what would you say as far as expectations in grief? Oof. So I think expectations and grief, and I'll just, for me personally, what I have learned about expectations and grief is that um, the only thing I should really have an expectation for in my own grief would be supporting my family and the people around me and um, letting people do what they do or how they do it and have very little expectation for what people should or shouldn't do. <clears throat> I don't know how else to look at it. Well, I think just that, from experience. I think that when we t talked the other day, I said I think it's a practice. 
I think it's like anything else uh, that some days you can do it better than others mm. and, and you just have to practice knowing why you have the expectations and sometimes maybe being brave enough to ask being brave enough to have the honest conversation I think that's where my good friend and I the one that gave me the expectations of I won't be there (laughs) I think the only reason we could get to that point was because I was willing to talk about it prior to the point you know what I mean and we're not always we're not always given that opportunity because some things happen in an instant and we don't we can't control that we can control the cards and the way they come at us but um, I, I just think that I have learned just in life in general that expectations without communication can be a very disappointing stretch for a lot of people and I think that's true with so many areas of life. Uh, and grief is no exception. Uh, you know, I have sat in a number of grief groups and met so many people. And there's so many disappointments. And there's so many, um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that want something to blame or something to hold on to because they don't know what to do with their emotions right and I think that if you even take people out of expectations for a moment and you would know more about this than I would personally but I mean think of how powerful of a message you could hold for people that don't even understand the expectation of grief what is someone's expectation of grief and how to manage it or how to walk through it or how to live within it or how to operate outside of it's, it? That's so huge because... Right, but it's so needed. It's so huge because I, I think of even within my own family, my own, like, my core family, my husband, my, you know, Andy, or Tommy and Olivia. Mm-hmm. I think that... You know, allowing them, I mean, even the expectations that we have for each other and just allowing us all to have our own journey through it. And that's really, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Um, But that's, you know, as I talk to other people, it's rough. I mean, people, marriages are lost and relationships are severed and people never talk again and um you know this is this is it's so big i mean the loss of a child is wow uh i you know i think that if it happens to you then you just do the best you can. And I think that, you know, people always say, I would have done this, I would have done that. And maybe, and listen, I hope you never get the chance. Really. I really, uh, I hope you don't get the chance. Wow, what a whole other topic is uh, (laughs) the, uh, the opinions of how people think you should handle your business when they've never experienced it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Next week. <laughs> so in your room, thank you. Sure. Absolutely. For being here today. I mean, what Thanks would you say? How has it been? Uh, you know, you. I met you right at the beginning. Right so. before anything. Right before anything. So. Um, and you know, it's it's. I, I'll say that when that happened, and because when we when we do take people on, we there's there's a there's a level of care there that exists prior, and and so. Of course, we weren't as close as we are today, but close enough that I thought, you know, maybe just a simple message to say that I heard the news and and, and I'm uplifting the family and maybe that's all that you needed because there's nothing else that I can add. But if only everybody knew, I think, some of that communication or boundary. Um, I think I only knew that communication and boundary from what I experienced, you know, today. Um, so... So the takeaway is expectations, they change from day to day, Every really, day. every day. And it's a practice. And, uh, you know... Maybe I, don't judge. Maybe don't have a heavy judgment for someone that doesn't deliver to you in a way that you think they should. And maybe, maybe don't worry so much also about you know, saying the right thing or doing the right thing instead of, like your brother said, just be there. Yeah, just, just be there. And you know what? The first time you call, it's going to be awkward, but do it anyway. And you might bridge the gap. So. I love it. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Aaron Van Dyke Productions.